I've seen a bunch of people on social media over the weekend talking about uh, how their power bill has arrived in the mail, and it's the biggest they've ever seen. They've never seen a power bill that high. I mean, how many times here on the show have we talked about the soaring price of groceries, food costs? I mean, everything, everything across the board right now. Um, for Canadians is costing more. It's very, very inflationary. We know that. So um, our government's doing enough. It, could they do not only more, but do what they're doing in a better way? That's the question. And and should they? So we're going to have a conversation about that with Wayne Simpson, who is a professor in the Department of Economics at the University of Manitoba. Uh, Wayne, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Okay. Glad to join you. So why don't we just start right there in terms of the federal government and what they're doing to help Canadians get through this ridiculously high cost of living period that we're in right now. Are they, are they doing enough? Are they doing enough to help Canadians? Well, um, this is a tricky situation um, because uh, the, uh, the obvious things to do enough uh, that people would respond to uh, would be things like, uh, you know, uh, reducing taxes or providing subsidies to individuals. And, of course, all of those things uh, feed on the, the inflationary fire in the sense that uh, we suspect that inflation is related to the fact that there aren't enough goods in circulation, there's supply problems, uh, and there are too many uh, dollars chasing them. So um, we have to be careful about how we go about that. The uh, longer-term and more effective tried-and-true measure is, of course, the Bank of Canada raising interest rates mm-hmm. and squeezing the economy. And that is certainly having some effect. You see that in housing price and housing markets. You see that in borrowing uh, here and there. You see that uh, in stock markets. That's more painful and more long-term. And when people are clamoring for short-term solutions, then uh, that isn't going to cut it. So when we take a look at what they are doing right now, I mean, like you say, there's no perfect solution. There's, there's no doubt. But they, what, what are they missing with the, with the programs that are in place right now? Uh, I'm thinking primarily the big ones we know about are the rent subsidy and um, GST rebates. Um, how do those miss the mark? Well, the, the, the GST uh, rebate, and in some sense, is, is uh, the best program if you're trying to really focus on low-income people. I mean, a lot of the assistance that's being uh, provided, uh, a lot of it now by the provinces, um, is couched in terms of helping those who, who need it. Um, well, maybe everyone needs it in their own minds, but I think what they tend to mean is that the lower end of the income distribution. So what my, the point of the piece that I wrote for the conversation was to say that um, what are the elements of a program that would actually give money to those who most need it at the low end of the income uh, distribution? And of course, a, lo- a lot of the provincial programs fall short of that. They provide a little bit of help to those people, but they, they do it by providing a lot of help to others who, uh, on that criterion, right. would need it less. So, I mean, you talk about something in that piece that you wrote for the conversation about tapering and making sure that the benefits are fairly... Um, surgical and, and, and sort of streamlined to make sure they're getting to where they need to go. Tell us how tapering works. Well, the, the idea of tapering uh, goes all the way back to the, uh, to the 60s and uh, the discussions in the U.S. around a negative income tax and the idea that what you want to do is uh, provide a benefit and then remove that benefit as uh, incomes rise, uh, as individuals' incomes rise, so that those at the middle to higher end of the income distribution don't receive the benefits 
Um, and um, there are some programs that uh, try to do that, like the GST credit, but yeah. of course it's fairly modest. And there's one famous program in Canada, which is, is very old and very respected, which is the uh, Guaranteed Income Supplement for Seniors, which precisely does that. It provides a big guarantee, and then it takes away uh, about 50 cents of every dollar of income until uh, people reach a level where they don't receive the benefit. And that's at a fairly low income level, but it's very effective in dealing with... Uh, income security at the lower end for seniors. So we have that guaranteed basic income for our seniors, and there's talk, as you know, about doing that right across the board. Would that be an easier way of doing this, sort of saying, okay, you can earn this much, and then we'll top it up so everybody gets this basic standard of living? Well, that that would be a vehicle on which, for example, when you're talking about uh, helping the needy in the short term, uh, you'd have that vehicle to work with. Um, whether that's a good policy uh, uh, as a permanent measure is, of course, a question that we've been wrestling with for about uh, 60 years now. Yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of these programs and what we're seeing right now, do you anticipate more? And if they do decide to take further steps, what would you recommend? Well, it depends on whether you're talking about the federal or provincial level. Um, the provinces have been doing more now. They did very little during the pandemic. The feds really did all the heavy lifting. Uh, now the provinces are doing things. Um, I think they're stumbling around trying to find uh, something that is, uh, you know, politically advantageous. Um, I don't think they have the levers that will allow them to do, them some, them to do something for um, the lower-ended income distribution in some systematic mm-hmm. way. And my one of my big fears is they're spreading a lot of money to other people who, if they spend it, are just going to fuel inflationary fires. Well, that's the thing, right? That's the, that's the fine line that you always walk. If you put more money into the system to battle inflation, you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot because you're just causing more inflation. That's right. Well, ideally, if you put more into the system to help those re- who need it the most, then you'd take money out somewhere else. Right. But, of course, that's not what's happening. No, exactly. Uh, Wayne, interesting discussion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, happy to do it. Thank you. Yeah, bye. That is Wayne Simpson, who is a professor in the Department of Economics at the University of Manitoba. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I really and truly don't. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.